0: This is Dune Talk, a DuneNewsNet.com production. Join us now for the latest Dune news, reactions, and lively discussions. Hello, everybody. We are just one week away from the world premiere of Dune. Really excited to be here with the full crew again and just talk about all the latest uh, movie news, as well as the future of uh, uh, Dune on the big screen. So I'm, uh, this is uh, Marcus Gabriel speaking,
1: and I'm here t- today with Simon. Hello. Also, pumpkin spice is out at Starbucks, so the spice is flowing. Everything is good in the world. One week away. <laughs> and hello, Garen. Hey, it's Garen
0: from Dune Companion. Good to see you again. And uh, we're here with uh, Johnny again. Yes, sir. Good to be back. Good to be back. I can't believe uh, we're one week away, man. I can't believe it. Yeah, so it's going going fast. And this time next week, we're going to be hearing all those reviews coming out of the Venice Film Festival. It's going to be uh, yeah, really a lot to dig into. And um, so I mentioned we're going to go into a bunch of movie news today. Um, and one of our main topics uh, today is going to be the future of Dune on the big screen. Uh, so we'll be covering a couple of interesting uh, comments uh, related to that. So, without further ado, let's go into some Dune movie news. Dune movie news. Our first uh, story today uh, is the interview of uh, Denis Villeneuve had with um, two interviews, actually, with uh, with La Presse and uh, CBC Radio Canada, so Canadian uh, uh, media outlets. Uh, the interviews were carried out in French. Um, and he covered a huge amount of topics uh, in in those uh, interviews. So we're going to go through some of them today. But like, if you haven't had a chance to read the full interviews your, yourself, uh, I've um, done a report on the on the website, uh, going through most of the the key points. Um, as well as we have the subtitled uh, video, like five minutes with uh, Denis Villeneuve in the um, uh, in the bottom with the CBC Radio Canada. Um, and like if you speak French, definitely look at the original interviews because we uh, there, there's there's a lot more in there. So the first thing um, that I wanted to talk about that came, uh, stuck out in this interview was uh, Dune Part Two. So we had already discussed that last week. That uh, um, he, the director basically had the comments. You know, it's, it's not this isn't about Dune Dune One and Dune Two. This is about Dune Part One and Dune Part Two. And you know, really enthusiastic about uh, uh, coming back to film the, the second half basically of, of the movie. Uh, so he, he gave a more detailed um, uh, status uh, update. Um, so I'll just read like just a section of, of it. Um, so he's saying, I'm currently working on writing the treatments that we must present to the beneficiaries of Frank Herbert. I also have an excellent relationship with his son, Brian. Then everything will depend on the reception that the first film will receive. Uh, When I shot it, I was well aware of it all and really enjoyed myself. I told myself that if ever the adventure had to end there, I would be satisfied part of my dream, uh, satisfied part of my desire." And then he goes on, "'Since the studios love the film a lot and are proud of it, I think it would have to go really badly for the second part not to get the green light, but it remains in the order of possible. In December, we should know. Uh, so, Johnny, let me ask you first, uh, what, what are your reactions to these uh, comments?
2: Yeah, it's it's a continuation of what we had heard previously to a degree, uh, but I do think he's kind of elaborating a little bit more and kind of like showing more of his hand at this point. Um, just because, you know, we are getting closer and they're in the middle of promoting the film uh, and, and getting ready for the film festivals um but it's i mean it's exciting i think it's encouraging the more that they talk about it the more it seems like i mean more i think the fans are getting more excited uh and more willing to like really support this thing especially if if like the reviews are really good you know next week and then going into tiff the week after that i think people will be even more you know galvanized and and excited and willing to go out and watch it theaters or watch on hbo max or what have you um and uh you know the more i hear about his vision and like kind of where he's at in the creative process and just his, his um, kind of feelings about it overall. I think it's encouraging in that respect too, because I think he's taking the right approach. And um, this was something he had said in, I want to say it was the empire magazine spread, like last summer, he, he had a quote uh, basically to the effect of um, you know, if this is the only movie I get to make, you know, at least I got to like make this one. And I, I, I remember reading that last year and, you know, feeling away about it and like hearing it now and kind of thinking about that still, because I know there are a lot of people stressed out (laughs) about just getting one movie, never getting a, a, you know, part two or getting even a third one. Um, And I think everyone's kind of worried about that. uh, The fans most, especially, but you know, including myself, like there's no doubt. Um, But at the end of the day, I think, you know, we kind of have to just sit back Control what we can control, which is supporting the movie. Um, you know, if, if you want to, if you're, you know, happy with the final product and all that, um, and let the chips fall where they may, you know, don't, don't get too stressed out or too like invested because, you know, there's no reason that we should be more, you know, stressed out than Denis is. And Denis (laughs) seems to be kind of at peace with it. So I think if he's at peace with it, we can all kind of be at peace with it. You know, whether or not we get part two, whether or not we get a third film after that, um, I think it's all kind of gravy just because I am feeling so good about this part one at this point. Um, I am I am really bullish on it. So yeah. uh, fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> yeah, and before we let the, the others chime in, um, I wanted to touch on the, the comment that he made, like assuming we do get the, the go ahead and uh, they're going to move forward with, with this. Um, he also mentioned in that same interview that they could realistically start filming as early as fall of 2022. What, what, what do you make of uh, of that comment?
2: Yeah, uh, that seems pretty much on par with what I kind of would have expected just because they have been done with the movie for so long at this point due to the pandemic related delays. Uh, if he is really in the process of, you know, writing the screenplay, there's no reason why, you know, especially if they finish it or like have like significant drafts done of it in the next few months, like, you know, going toward the end of the year when he's not busy promoting the movie. Um uh, yeah, going into the new year, I think that makes a lot of sense where they could kind of start really going to pre-production because um, at that point, as you mentioned, December is kind of like a time frame. They would know whether or not they're going to go ahead with part two and make the movie. So once that's decided, I mean, it's just full steam ahead. I think at that point he has no other obligations. Um, he, you know, he's in, on, he's in on Doom. Like he's fully invested. Um, He's not going anywhere. And I think the entire cast and crew that would be involved feels very much the same way. Um, I think that's encouraging because the sooner you can get them out, the better, um, especially with the pandemic. You never know what kind of delays you can come across. But that's that's really encouraging that they, have, you know, he even has an idea of like a time frame of when they could start filming. It's not some complete, you know, un, unconceived idea. Yeah,
0: yeah, Totally. And Simon, I know that you actually read some of the, the original interview in French or maybe all of it. Uh, what do you make of the tone of his his comments? Well,
1: like I said before, Denis is the ultimate fanboy. Like Just hearing him <laughs> talk about it and how it's influenced and impacted his life, this is like his dream project. Like I said before, sometimes you hear directors or actors, oh, I've always wanted to work on this. No, like he's always wanted to work on it. And I agree with Johnny. I'm excited about having a part one. A part two would be amazing because I don't want it to be that big trouble in low China end sequence scene and we never see <laughs> whatever happens because I think that might drive people away from Dune. But if we get a part two at least, we'll be good. Part three would just be icing on the cake. But I think Denis is excited and the Spider-Man trailer's out. <laughs> it's doing great, but hey, Spider-Man fans, you should watch Dune. <laughs> I think that might give her some more like acclaim and awards than nothing against MJ. I'm a big Spider-Man fan, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I love that he wants to do two. I love that he's already thinking about two. He's talking about part three, which would be Messiah. And also he wants to do a Cleopatra movie. How epic would that be that <laughs> in that interview? Uh, yeah, so Garen, how,
0: how did these make, their comments make you feel? You know, I'll, Johnny, you were saying, you know, you're nervous.
3: I, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety too, because I, I care so much about the story and this movie. I'll tell you, I'm not only a Dune fan, I've become a huge Denis fan through this whole thing because I kind of look to him as, okay, how's he feeling? And you know, what's his mentality around this right now? And so I, I like how you brought that out that, you know, he's, he's all in and he feels good about it. And and the comment that I really like is where it says, and since the studios love the film a lot and are proud of it, that line right there gave me more peace than just about anything. Mm-hmm. because. Denis could be the biggest fan in the world. You, All of us on this podcast could be the biggest fans in the world. But I'll tell you, those number crunchers of Warner Brothers, if it doesn't work, mm-hmm. we don't get part two. So the fact that he's saying the, the men in the suits, uh, they're <laughs> the ones who are proud of this film already, that gives me a lot of comfort. So I, I love these comments.
2: Um, yeah, so I totally agree with you uh Garen. Yeah, it's that I think was a, a big, you know, positive sign. Um and also he did mention um he mentioned it in the total film piece, I believe, as well to some degree, and also in this French piece, I think. But talking about the box office situation, um, which is kind of like the enormous uh, you know, shy Halud in the room, if you will, uh, where like, okay, there's been some bombs, there's been some flops, there's been some, you know, weekend to weekend kind of uh nosedives um but there's also been some success on streaming hbo max is like kind of like hard to gauge what they consider good or not um but i think it is promising that he said what he said which is that i mean and what it was i don't know if i have been saying this publicly i might have been saying it to marcus or like on discord or on reddit or whatever but like it's for the longest time, like, especially with the marketing starting back up and like from the IMAX preview and everything, I was very, I really came under the impression that I think this would have to be like a cataclysmic, like no one watches this movie kind of failure to justify not making at least part two, just because there have been so many examples and exceptions made, I think so far with box office success and how you kind of gauge it. I mean, free guy, a hundred million plus dollar movie came out and made like, under 30 like about 30 million dollars and everyone was like woo like wow like we can keep theaters open and alive and i'm just like hey that's i went and saw it in theaters like i was happy to support it i'll be seeing more movies you know between now and June, of course um but i think that's a good sign and i think the media is also starting to take that kind of vantage point as well i've seen people calling it out like you know actual you know journalists and check marks on twitter and everything like let's relax with the box office like talk and like let's focus on the movie and just let everything else kind of fall where it may. Um, And also, you know, talking about uh, this article in part three, I think that that is also encouraging where he, he feels, as you mentioned, you know, he is, he is the biggest fan, I think. And um, I I think that his feelings towards the studio have become apparent um, both good and bad over the last year or so. Um, There was the big variety news, you know, the letter he wrote saying that he was super unhappy with Warner Brothers. Um, And then he did talk about in this interview where he said, you know, I feel very positive toward them now and they have it, 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 you know, he hasn't come outright and said, you know, we're doing this like we're going to make another movie but the way he's talked about the box office situation the way he's talked about his relationship with warner's now and he mentioned the marketing he said they're all in on that they've been really supportive in that respect i'm really happy with that campaign and we've seen that i mean that we've been witness to that over the last month um i think that's really promising as well and, and more reason to be optimistic yeah
0: totally and, and let, let's stay at stay on that topic for for a minute in terms of the future of of dune uh so for the for the listeners basically what we're talking about he said this to both uh, Total Film and also to CDC Radio uh, Canada about um, you know potentially a, a Dune trilogy. Again, this is thinking really long-term, but basically he said, uh, there is the second book in the Dune series by Frank Herbert, which is Dune Messiah. And um, this could make an extraordinary film. I always saw that there could be a trilogy, after that we'll see. It's years of work, and I can't think of uh, going further than that. So we, we had heard before, you know, like even a couple of years back about the speculation that originally this was always meant as, as a trilogy, but to to hear the director himself uh, see it as just like really, yeah, really exciting. I think that this was one of the most exciting things coming out of the article uh, for me, simply because... Like the the story of 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 Dune, like the talking about the, the first Dune book, and then what's going to be covered in these movies, Dune Part One and Dune Part Two. It's it's an amazing story. It, it talks about the the, the hero's uh, journey and um, hints at a lot more stuff that that's going going on underneath that. But the real completion of that story is. The Dune Messiah, and like uh, th- that's why if anybody uh, like you know who I've talked to in the past, they say, oh yeah, I also read Dune, and I always mm-hmm. recommend yeah, just just keep on reading because there, there's there's so much uh, to get into there. So just like uh, knowing that that he he wants to continue this story afterwards, i uh, just uh, really excited about it. Garen, what did you uh, uh, think about these uh, these comps? Yeah. So the fact that the Denis is even thinking
3: that far ahead just, just shows mm-hmm. me that this is this is a man of vision who can make things happen, right? To be able to take this unadaptable story and put it on film. And I know we haven't seen it yet, but we've seen enough to know that his vision is just is unprecedented. It's amazing. So the fact that he's talking about Dune Messiah, what I get excited about with that is the fact that um, and without any spoilers, I, I won't do that here, but it's unexpected. The way that story goes is unique. It's refreshing, it's surprising even, but it's it, it goes along with the overall story of who is Paul Atreides. And so the fact that he's already thinking about that and he talks about how he would interact with the, the cast and they would ask him a question and he'd say, okay, well, let me dream about that tonight, and then I'll I'll answer that tomorrow when I see you. So he's already dreaming about Dune Messiah. And and to me, that's super exciting, because this is a guy who sees the whole vision. He understands what Frank Herbert was trying to do here. And he's going to bring it to the big screen in a way that I think is going to translate
0: really well. Simon, how excited are you about the possibility of seeing Dune
1: Messiah on the big screen? It's the next evolution of Paul. And you need to find out his journey. And for non-Dune fans that haven't read Messiah, I don't think they're going to expect what what happens, even just halfway through, you know, I want to say something that I saw on Twitter, but it could be kind of a spoiler. Someone posted, like, and an then what if Dune Part 2 has an end sequence with someone in a tank and it just fades to black like that right there? I think people would lose, like, they would go insane, but... Yes, we need Messiah to know what happens to Paul. And sure, I would love Children of Dune. I would love a God Emperor. I would love, you know, the original six. But even if we get three, that's that's better than what little Simon thought of when, you know, like he started <laughs> to get into Dune. And I think Denis, like, he has visions. He sees the future. Maybe he is Paul Atreides. <laughs> he said in the article that he related to Paul Atreides as a kid. So there you go. Um, I think it's all positive. I'm super happy that people are talking about it. And I know like my Twitter feed now has become talk. But (laughs) it's been also random people. Like some of you know, I work at Target. The other day I was walking around to the toy aisle because, you know, I do that on my lunch and every break. And our toys are right by the books. And I saw a guy pick up the book, look at it, and told his girlfriend, oh, I should read this before the movie comes out. In the back of my head, I'm like, yes, buy it. <laughs> I, had, I will give you my team member discount if you want to <laughs> buy it. And I sure. saw the guy I later check out with the book. So I'm like, hopefully he'll pick up the book and actually read it. But it's again people that I think are not interested in it. A year ago, I saw something, I think it was Brian Herbert tweeted out today that on mm. Kendo, it's number five or seven of the top sellers. That's amazing. We didn't have that a year ago. So people are interested and intrigued what Dune is. And I feel like this is, this is our Phantom Menace era. Like, yeah, <laughs> our, our fandom can come out, you know? It's nice. And I believe that Denis is the, he's the only director I would ever imagine doing Dune. You know, I thought about this the other day. I was like, would I, would I want a Stanley Kubrick Dune? No, because it would have been weird. <laughs> it would have been even weirder than the Jovanovsky version. But Denis the man.
0: I believe in Denis. Yeah, and I just wanted to touch on that uh, stat that you mentioned. So um, the Amazon charts, uh, like the most read book. So it was number seven, uh, last time I checked. And i say that, that that's, that's actually a really important stuff because it's not just people like buying the book and putting it on their to read list, but this is actually showing how much people are engaging. And like, if you look at the other books on the list, it's like, for example, Harry Potter that has have been on the list for ages, but to see okay. Dune there, and it's been on the list for, I think over 30 weeks, that's uh, yeah, r- r- really impressive. And, um, yeah, what, one of the things we need to keep, keep in mind, of course, this is talking long term. So he's, he's mentioned what, what he said, Simon, he's thinking about doing a, a project about uh, Cleopatra, which, which will likely be a smaller film. So that would be like likely after doing part two. So basically he's saying, OK, let me focus now on getting a, a part one premiered and then part two will become a priority. And then after that, he wants to do some uh, smaller projects. And then hopefully after, after then we'll have the, yeah, the go ahead for, for uh, the Dune
1: Messiah. So this could still be some, some ways off. But you know what, Mark? sorry to interrupt, but I love that because it gives the actors time to age also. Yeah, sure, be- for sure. Between Messiah and Dune, Paul grows up. Uh, Timothy will start looking 20 by the time you know they do Messiah. And it's great because if they do it in real time, then it will feel like, hey, this wasn't forced. It was an over makeup. We're growing with these characters.
0: Yeah, and uh, John, I was just gonna ask ask you like uh, when you hear those comments, let's let's just jump into speculation uh, for a moment. I'll, I'll hear from all of you. When, when do you think theoretically we could see this this film? Like, say say it 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 really happens. Like, how many years do you think we're talking about?
2: Yeah, Dune Messiah seems like because I'm thinking if you know, say everything goes to plan and they make you know they start production on part two next fall you know, that seems like it would have to be, then it would have to be a 2024 release three years after, you know, part one, I would say the, the Dune Messiah, if the, if the part two is coming out in 2024 probably wouldn't come out until like 2028 probably I think would probably be realistic. Cause if he wanted to go do a smaller movie, I mean, you could knock that knock that out in a year basically, and then get, get into Messiah mode again. But um, yeah. It, yeah. It would be a, it would be a decade long from beginning to end. They yeah. started filming in 2019 by the time the last movie, if we did a trilogy comes out, it would be almost 2029 probably. So it's definitely strange to think about, um, yeah. <laughs> but very exciting nonetheless.
0: I also going to go with like in a range of six, seven years. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah. I remember uh, a comment that Janine made, which he was uh, giving uh,
3: credence to, uh, Peter Jackson for being able to make all the Lord of the Rings films <laughs> simultaneously, and he just said it would have killed him, right? <laughs> and and I think there is something uh, superhuman about Peter Jackson that way. Um, I like the way Denis makes his films because I think he really does pour his thoughtfulness and his analytical mind into making it translate uh, really well. But I think the genius of uh, casting Timothy Chalamet. Is that Timothy I think is in reality like 23 or 24 years old but he I mean those scenes that we saw at the IMAX preview he literally looked 16 to me (laughs) he looked really young so I think casting someone like that gives you that flexibility but I think giving it a few years he he would look more mature because he would be more mature for a Dune Messiah in 2024 or 2028 or 9 or whatever it is for (laughs) Dune Messiah so yeah no i I think it would all work out uh it's not Lord of the Rings all you know just one year after the other, but that's okay it's it's gonna be done right and and I'd rather have it
0: be quality than than, than released quickly yeah yeah and I like that you brought that up because uh I know that a lot of people are saying oh the the biggest mistake of this movie is that that they did didn't shoot it back to back but then if you if you hear his his comments then uh, you know you, you know how much work <laughs> and effort went into this this first uh, movie it's yeah. uh, it's amazing. <laughs>
1: Also, yeah, it would have been
2: a, a nightmare. Also, Dune
1: Messiah hits 60 years uh, in 2029. Mm-hmm. I was looking up what year it came out. So <laughs> there you go. From the marketing point, they can be like a story that took 60 years to come to the big screen. <laughs> and let's not forget between Dune, where it's supposed to and part one and part two, there is some time also. There is a couple years in the story that we don't know what happens. So once again, I'm okay with that time because our actors age, you know, the original Star Wars didn't come out three years in a row. You know, it took a while. So give it time. Peter Jackson, you're a maniac, you're a machine. (laughs) And thank you for making those movies like that. But then you take your time?
2: I I believe in you. Yeah. And real quick to that point as well. I mean about peter jackson i think peter jackson I, I don't know the exact quote or where this was said if, if it was i think he said something to the effect of like making those movies as they did like definitely like took years off his life like was detrimental <laughs> to that to his health and the health of, of others probably working on the movies um so that's a good thing to avoid and then also like garen was mentioning um you know there is a real actual time you know lapse that you can take advantage of but also Ch- 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 Chalamet and Zendaya who would you know, be by far the two most integral characters in that movie, if they were to make a Messiah movie yeah. are both not only going to grow stronger and more experienced as actors. So they're, you know, their skills are going to be better because those scenes of Messiah really call for some, you know, dramatic, almost to a, like a theatrical point acting. Right. Um, and not only are they going to grow as performers, but also their profile is going to grow even more. I mean, right now they're my age. And <laughs> they're two of the biggest stars in the world. This movie hasn't even come out yet. So I could imagine, you know, Chalamet has Wonk. Uh, uh, Zendaya has her own show on on HBO and, and the Spider-Man franchise. Like they're going to get, if you can believe it, even more famous um, and, and you know, noteworthy and uh, more of a box office draw or streaming draw. Um, so that's another thing that I think would definitely be exciting, too, if they did put it back uh, into the future. Going on in this
0: interview, so uh, Denis actually has some some really good cl- uh, clarifications. It's basically, uh, and, and he actually mentioned himself, like he, he has an anonymous Twitter account where he's basically following <laughs> uh, all, all the news uh, coming in on Twitter. And in this interview, he actually addressed a lot of the big stories that had been making the rounds over the over the past weeks. So the first thing we'll just touch on quickly, because we we covered a lot of that last week, was he gave the clarification on uh, Zendaya's role in um in Dune part two. And I think pretty much what we discussed last week already was taken into account. We, we pretty much were, were saying that, you know, there could be some um, something lost in the translation and that Zendaya was gonna be, a, you know, one of the main characters, uh, n- not uh, taking over as, as some of the, the headlines that had mentioned. Uh, but basically, um, yeah, he, uh, Denis was r- really humble about this. He, you know, he talked about, you know, I realized my limits with the English language um, and he wanted to clarify that he wasn't saying that the second film would focus on her, but she remains one of the main characters and her role is important. Um, and he also called out that, um, yeah, of course, he, he praised her skills as, as an actress that we talked about last week. And he mentioned that even in part one, her, her role had had grown. So I thought that was an interesting comment. But at the end of the day, like all this uh, this big discussion that, that happened on online, he was saying, OK, this, that's definitely a case of uh, lost and translation. Yeah. So the the other clarification that that we we got, and this was another story that that was was basically from from another interview, um, where uh, Jason Momoa we talked about that a couple of weeks ago about talking about an extended cut of Dune, like you know I want to see uh, uh, Denis full vision, I want to see a four to six hour cut of, of Dune, and uh, Denis basically clarified in in this interview that yeah, like he really appreciates that enthusiasm from uh, from Jason Momoa, but basically uh, it, you know like we. Uh, the cut that we're seeing in, in cinemas, that, that's, that's the right one. That, that's the one that we intended to be, uh, be shown on the, um, on the big screen. And he also reinforced that he's never done a director's cut of any of his films. Uh,
1: Simon, your, your thoughts? I mean, once again, I would love a 4, 6, 12, 14-hour cut, whatever. <laughs> you know, how long's the audiobook? Like 30 hours? Can we get that? And if Denis happy and the studios don't go in... Cool, Terry Gilliam Brazil-like and cut it completely, then we're good. You know, if the filmmaker that had his own vision as a kid now making this movie is happy with it, then I think we'll all be pleasantly happy and surprised. You know, I was talking to someone on the phone the other day about it, and they're like, oh, I I think I know what I'm expecting. I'm like, no, you didn't see the IMAX preview. You don't know what you're expecting yet. You're going to be blown away with this movie. So sure, a longer cut would have been nice, but if the story goes well and it floats, then let the spice flow and let the (laughs) Deni cut flow. I don't know, I was trying to come up with something there. (laughs) (laughs) Garen, are are you disappointed at all
0: or does this make total sense to you?
3: You know, at at first I I thought, gosh, if it's such a great experience, why wouldn't I want it to be four or six hours long? But, you know, honestly, I remember seeing the very first Star Wars movie in the theaters as a little kid. And, you know, when they went to change that and and, and do all the, you know, the new special effects, I hated it because I remembered that first experience, how it was. And I think that's probably how Denny feels. It's like, this is my vision. I'm creating a work of art here. And I don't want it to get, you know, manipulated into something that I didn't, I didn't picture that I didn't envision at first. And So I kind of respect his ability to create something that he wants to see and share that with the world. And, you know, who knows? I mean, if this franchise goes through the ceiling, I mean, you know, there'll be all (laughs) kinds of derivatives of this stuff, right? You know that. But for now, I'm not worried because I want to see it the way Denis
0: wants me to see it because I trust him. And Johnny, I think you had uh, tweeted about this in the past, like, no surprise here, right?
2: Yeah, no, I, I had tweeted about it because it was right after the Jason Momoa quote came out and people again were like <laughs> completely taking it out of context and like making it into something that it really wasn't. And I just tweeted out this quote that Denis had, I think it was in the wake of 2049, um, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've seen that movie more times than probably anyone that wasn't involved in making the movie. Um, and he said specifically when they made that, he was like, oh yeah, Joe Walker, the editor, and I, we had a four hour cut and we actually probably could have broken it up into two whole two hour movies or so. And to that, I say, okay, yeah, I would watch that, but I I don't really need it. Like, I don't, I love what I got from that movie. Um, And I feel that same way about this. And I do understand like people that love what they love, they want more of it. I mean, that's what we always want. Right. Lord of the Rings, I think is a good example. Those are amazing movies that were supreme successes in every way. And then we got the extended editions and people still really love those. And some, some people just swear by those. Um, For me, I understand where he's coming from, like as an artist and as someone like he's a sculptor, he's not like a painter, I guess, in that way. Like once it's gone, it's gone. Like you can't, you can't chisel it off and then glue it back up. Like that's not how he operates. So um, I, I respect that. And I think that's how you get the best final product. I would rather have someone with that viewpoint coming in and working on the movie rather than someone like, not to name names, but some directors who just are like, I'll film 40 hours worth of stuff and then I'll get mad when they want me to cut it down to two, two and a half hours. And then, you know, cry victim, maybe I put out an ultimate cut or a director's edition after the Mm -hmm. fact to try to build it back up into something that it never was for most people who saw it in theaters. Most movies never have an extended cut. 99% of movies never have an extended cut or a director's cut. Um, the editor is there for a reason. The producers are there for a reason. They help wrangle in some things. And, and, you know, Denis another quote that he said months ago, I think it was, or maybe or even earlier than that, he said, I c- I, he said, he could be an editor if he wanted to, He said, if I wanted to, I could edit my own movies. If he wasn't a director, he said he would be an editor. The reason he works with Joe Walker is because he loves the collaboration. He loves the elements, the creative viewpoint that Joe Walker brings to the table in chiseling it down, combining things that maybe he wouldn't otherwise consider. And that's such a big part. The editor is the second most important person on any movie. And a lot of people don't talk about that. They talk about the cinematographer and the producers or the writer, but the edit is where like it actually gets made. And I think that's important to keep in mind when these things kind of pop up. And um, I, again, I could, I could listen to him talk about this all day and how he, there was another comment where he talked about apocalypse apocalypse nows, you know, re, redux that that's just like a mess. Like I would never want to watch that based, you know, over everything else and like the original cut. So I think it's just, it's interesting. And, you know, I understand people that want more. Um, Would I watch a a four or five, six hour cut of doom? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, But I'm glad and feel comfortable knowing that we're getting a two and a half hour version in theaters on HBO Max. Everyone can see it. There's not going to be any confusion after the fact about what is what. Um, I think that at the end of the day is what you would probably prefer uh, compared to the alternative.
0: So one other uh, important clarification that, that came up. So we've um, we've covered that in the sites like in the past, and we still have to publish an updated article about that. But we do know that uh, DUNE is actually going to be released um, over a period of five weeks uh, in different uh, countries. So it's going to start on September 15th in uh, some European countries. So we know that uh, uh, France and Belgium, for example, are going to get it on the 15th, along with some of the Nordic countries. And then it's going to roll out through the rest of uh, Europe, non-English speaking in that weekend. Then we'll uh, uh, we'll see in uh, October, it goes to some of Latin America, some of Asia. And then on October 22, it's uh, services in the um, in the U.S., uh, Canada, UK, um, and you know, a lot of people have been confused about that approach. And um, in this interview, it was, it was basically clarified. we was talked about you know, the pandemic is having an impact, and it's impacting differently in each of the, those territories. In some territories, there's a congestion of films, um, and basically, the, the idea was here was that they wanted to give Dune the poss- possibility to have the best opportunity to have a success in in each territory. So they're basically looking at it on a case by case basis. Uh, so, Johnny, I'll stay with you to open this one. Like, what are your thoughts on this uh, unprecedented approach?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, and to be to be fair, like, it is not unprecedented in the respect that, I mean, there. this happens with every movie to varying degrees. This, of course, with the pandemic does make it a little bit more complicated. But, I mean, Fast 9, F9, which came out in, like, May. So, we were in a little bit better position than we are now with the Delta variant. But, like... That movie came out, I want to say it was in China, like a month before anywhere else, um, which is a long time. And then it kind of came out in a couple other places and then it came out in the U.S. Um, day and date releases, global releases are really pretty rare, actually, nowadays. I remember back when I was really into the D.C. comics, like movies and, and keeping up with that stuff. And that was really getting going like Batman v. Superman. I remember that got like a day and date release and then it made like $400 million in one day because it was, or one weekend or whatever, because it all landed at the same time. Um, and that's because those studios, they want those headlines, they, they want those big receipts all coming in at once, um, which of course you do. But with this, it makes sense. Um, and then also you have like the word of mouth aspect as well, where it comes out in Germany and, and France and Mexico and Sweden and Norway and some of those places. and. and people see it and then they're like, they go on Twitter and, and Facebook and they're like, wow, this movie's so good. And their friends and their family see it and they're in other countries or places. And then it just kind of spreads and it's it, in combination with the film festival appearances as well, which runs through September. Um, I think that's kind of like a, a good situation to be in. Um, and then of course in the U S we have the theaters and HBO max, which is, um, you know, see it how you want, um, but it's going to be the same day, you know, October 22nd. Um, and yeah, I think it's just good. The thing is with these, the sooner they can get money coming in, the better. That that's going to build confidence with them and make them feel more comfortable. You know, we're not going to be waiting. Oh, we're all going to be huddled in our in our rooms on you know the strike of midnight on October twenty second. <laughs> like, oh, is this movie going to be a success? Like, let's get the green light. Like, going here, <laughs> we're going to have weeks to see how it's doing. Um, you know, tens of millions of dollars across the world in different countries. That is going to be a good thing. Um, hopefully, and and that'll be performing well and overperforming, and that that good energy will come into the U.S., which is of course the biggest market focus right now. And then it did get approved in China, and that'll come after probably the U.S. But uh, yeah, so there's there's things to take away from it, but nothing too crazy.
0: Garen, did, did you have any concerns on this approach, or are you like uh, does it make sense? What his explanation is?
3: No, I, I mean I think Johnny's right on. I. I guess it's it's the pandemic thing that's still kind of creating some anxiety for me because what I don't want to have happen is have some of these countries that get an early release, um, you know, have some less than stellar turnouts, right? Because, you know, that that could affect it uh, because right. people are going to tweet immediately. I mean, it's just going to, we're going to know right away <laughs> what some of the first audiences responses are. So I, I guess uh, it's not, it's not necessarily the method of ruling it out. It's, it's what the impact of some of these areas might be, and I—I um, I don't know. I'm just—I'm just, I'm just going to believe that most of us—we've been doing this pandemic thing long enough. Um, we have to be safe, and I'm glad even—even even, uh, Denis even mentioned that that our safety is most important. But um, let's do what it takes to be safe, and let's get in the theaters because I think we're all ready for it. I mean, I—that IMAX preview—I was—I was just relieved to be sitting in a theater, feeling the thunderous sound of the. Of, of the IMAX speakers and the, the incredible screen. I think we're
0: ready for it, but uh, I'm a little nervous about the pandemic affecting it. Yeah, and actually we just heard uh, yesterday that that the movie has been delayed in Australia until December 2nd because of the lockdowns that are that are going on there. So it, it looks like I wouldn't be concerned about the other countries, but it does really look like they're looking at it on a country by country basis and taking uh, decisions in, individually. Uh, Simon, any final thoughts on
1: this? Once again, safety is the most important thing, and wear a mask, be a Fremen, don't be a Harkonnen (laughs) when you go see it. Um, Sure, I would love that we get to see it in a couple weeks, but you know what? We're so close, and we're so far, so I'm okay waiting a little bit longer, but (laughs) we are going to get those instant reviews, and it could be a make it or break it. I'm not even worried about piracy, I feel like Piracy is such like a mid-90s than like early 2000 would have been torn. And we're lucky in the U.S. that we're, we have the chance of coming home after CNN theater and turning on our Apple TV or whatever streaming device and watching on HBO Max. Once again, safety is more important than, you know, day, big hit number day. I'm just safety, safety. And... I'm hoping that everything's okay with Delta for many reasons, and also I hope that we still get this in the theater. I hope we don't go in full lockdown again, because that would suck.
0: Yeah, let's uh, let's hope that the developments uh, trend positively the next uh, next couple of weeks, especially for those those international territories, because I know that in Europe they're having some uh, some challenges as well in some countries. So yeah, that was a. Uh, yeah, as, as, as we saw, there, there was just so much insights in just these two, two interviews. Uh, so uh, definitely check them out if you, if you haven't already. So let's uh, move on to our uh, second story uh, for today, uh, which is the Total Film um, uh, Dune-themed issue that, that came out uh, last week, Friday. So it's uh, available. Uh, in in stores, physical copy, or you can get it digitally either directly to their website, or it's available on, on Amazon through Kindle. So if you haven't had a chance to to read that, it's got twenty pages full of uh, of Dune content, bunch of new images, interviews. So definitely check it out. So so let's do a round, round table um, on on that. Um, yeah, I'll start with with you, Garen. Uh, did, did you read the Total Film issue?
3: Yeah, I did. I thought it was thought it was fantastic. Um, I liked that the focus was on Denis himself. And his journey with this story, um, I loved how uh, vulnerable he was. About uh, this was a story that he related to as a young person growing up. Um, um, I, I'm a lot older than you guys, and I think I'm about three years younger than Denis. And so, you know, this must have been the, the mid early '80s, uh, maybe a little earlier. And and so, you know, I, I understand that this has been a journey for him. This is something that means something to him. And uh, I, I like that Hans Zimmer quote that you have to be really careful when you're trying to create a, a dream that's been with you your whole life. I thought that was an interesting comment from him. But uh, boy, this, this article is in-depth. I mean, it goes into each one of the major characters, interviews the, the actors. Um, I thought I had a lot of great insight into how this came to be, how Denis uh, created this vision and, and executed on it. Um, and there's just, there's just so much, I'm not even sure what to really focus in on, but, uh, this is an article that really prepares you well for the movie because it gives you kind of the background. It gives you the foundation, uh, for what this movie, uh, means to him and what he wants it to mean to us.
1: So
0: yeah, it's great. And one of the images I I really liked was, was a photo, uh, with, uh, with, uh, the, the Denis Villeneuve and, uh, Rebecca Ferguson in the, and uh like uh you really felt how like how the director and the actors they were really immersed in that environment like in these enormous uh sets that, that that they had put put out uh so yeah like i i really think that that that's um definitely had a important factor in the in the acting as well like being surrounded by all these these massive these realistic uh ships so i'm re- really excited to see that those performances like you know we're as, as they mentioned, you know, like there were maybe only a couple of screens that were uh, shots that were in front of a green screen. The, the rest of this was like real shooting in, in the desert in these uh, these gigantic uh, sets. So it's, uh, yeah, I think the, the comparisons that, that that people have been making, for example, with Florida rings, I, I think that they're justified, but we'll, we'll hopefully see, uh, see soon. They had Timothy Chalamet
3: spend two weeks
0: practicing in the Thopter, hitting all the controls <laughs> and
3: everything so that it would look like he knew how to fly a Thopter. And I thought, okay, that's that's meticulous. Like <laughs> that's gonna translate well to feeling realistic on
0: the screen. So it's yep. little details like that that I love in this article. Yep.
1: Yeah. And Simon, I want to hear what was your main takeaway from this article. Once again, it's Denis. I mean, like you said, Denise's just a humble person that I want to be his friend, not just because he's directing <laughs> Dune. He just seems like a cool guy that you just want to hang out with and talk to and get life lessons from Denis, but I love the article. I love that we had like little character bios in a way, um, half of the page explaining who this character is. I think it's well-designed as an article for fans like us and people that are like, oh, dude, I keep hearing about it. Maybe I should read this. This is the main story, you know? What should I know about this movie? And yeah, Timothy learning how to fly, That's great. I hope he got his pilot license also. (laughs) But it's just, I love that it feels like it's shot organically. I mean, out of the four of us, four of us kind of have green screen on right now in our (laughs) Zoom call. So, but it's done practical. And that's something, it's just a simple little touch that makes it feel organic, feel real. And in those 15 minutes, 20 minutes of the IMAX, I was blown away. And I was like, yes, I believe this world exists. I believe this is it. It doesn't feel forced like, oh, look at that awesome CG shot. That's cool. I wonder how long it took that to render. (laughs) You know, it feels organic. It's, I said this before, just give me the movie. Stop teasing me. (laughs) Just give me the movie. And, you know, I'm excited about the art and soul of Dune. I still haven't bought my five $6,000 copy, whatever it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, uh, Johnny, did you have a favorite
2: uh, segment or image from that, uh, that um, piece? That's tough. Uh, I mean, there there's some stuff that really stuck out there. We talked earlier about the Peter Jackson comment, mm-hmm. and just talking about um, the process of making it. Um, I really loved hearing the stuff from the, you know, the crafts people talking about, all the costumes was something they hit on and and also um you know you had Jacqueline uh Walker talking about that and Bob Morgan then you had um uh the uh Greg Fraser, the cinematographer uh, and, and Patrice Vermet man I mean I, I know the French Dispatch looks really pretty but like this guy really needs to be in a convo for like best production design, like throughout the award season and, and, and to the Oscars. Cause everything that I have seen and read about what he was able to pull off is, I mean, again, uh, like the comparisons are endless, but it's, it's Lord of the Rings, like a level of detail and creation. And, uh, it's nuts. And, uh, you know, uh, Simon mentioned art and soul of Dune. Um, yeah. Like the stuff I've heard and, and, and have been told and like seen so from that book, like, I mean, it's, it's, if you liked this article, it's going to be this times, like the length is 10, but the detail and the, the intricacies is, is amazing. Um, so I'm really excited for more people to get their hands on that and really dig into it. Cause there's it, I don't think you can really appreciate until you read articles like this, just the amount of detail. I mean, the thought process to instead of using a blue screen or a green screen for certain scenes that they need to extend the sets and whatnot. Let's use a sand colored one. Let's use, um, you know, something else like pull a color from the environment just so that the light hits just right. And it doesn't seem, you know, Simon's talking about you're looking at a CG creation or an, a, a background or something like that. You're just like, I mean, it just, it, you can feel that it, it's not quite right or that the lighting on the characters involving that just doesn't, it feels off. And so far, what we've seen in the footage, which has been a lot now to this point, I mean, if, I have never felt that way looking at it. And it, that's the same way I felt on 2049, um, where they you could tell they had some massive set extensions with blue screen or green screen a couple of times in that. But this is, it's looking really exciting. And I love how the enthusiasm from all the actors, of course, as well, especially for a part two, uh, Rebecca Ferguson's comment, and Javier Bardem texting Denis is a pretty funny funny image. Um, and uh duncan idaho i almost said jason momoa as duncan idaho just talking about his potential um you know that's exciting as well you know talking about what we were earlier without giving anything away it's just it's really exciting it's i think it's the biggest and most detailed expose that we've gotten so far which is it hitting at the right time and i thought was worth the wait and kind of excitement that we were, were building up uh, totally yeah don't miss it so uh check out the the total film
0: uh issue from this month so let's jump into our third story for today, uh, which is the international trailers that hit uh, just this week.
2: Oh, yeah. So, I <laughs> um,
0: so um, yeah, I mean, like between all the, the different trailers, all these teasers and like the TV spots, including the one with the Olympics and all, all that stuff. You know, we, we've gotten tons of footage from this, this movie already. So I guess maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, but like yeah, w- when we got even more new footage in these international trailers, it was uh, it was quite uh, impressive. Um, the first trailer that, that came out was uh, a one and a half minute uh, trailer from Japan, and of course you have the the very typical voiceover in in Japanese, like from the from the narrator and uh, really talking about ex- excitement uh, um, about like it being you know like the uh, space war event and, and all that stuff. Um, and we got some, some new uh, new shots in, in there as well. So we saw, for example, the uh, the Guild Highliner. So we get more of a sense of the, the, the scale of, of that. Uh, we see Paul Atreides, uh, like uh, an iconic shot of him, like looking up at the Imperium uh, ship uh, coming down. And we got our first uh, glimpse of the planet of uh, Gidi Prime. Uh, so I'll start with, with you, Garen. Um, what did you think about this Japanese? Trailer? Yeah,
3: uh, I lived in Korea for about a year, and I I just remember the the, the way their their
0: announcers
3: uh, use their tone of voice, and, and he was really hamming it up in that in that uh, trailer. But I I again keep <laughs> waiting. I'm not expecting to be disappointed, but every time I see a shot, every time I see some image. And, and I'm kind of obsessed with the Ornithopters at the moment because I just I can't get over how the, that design is just so so perfect. I, I wondered if it was going to work at first as kind of a dragonfly thing because I'm not sure I pictured it quite as a dragonfly when I first read the book as a kid. But it's just brilliant. So every time I see a scene, the Guild Highliner, which is just mind-bogglingly enormous. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it was you, Johnny, or somebody highlighted how you have to yeah. zoom in to see that there's these droplets coming out of that thing. And those are sh- <laughs> so I thought that was brilliant to, to catch that. So I just keep getting just floored by these images and they're just super quick. They're super brief, but even seeing Gedi prime, I'm like, you nailed it. You know, it doesn't need to be covered in oil. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's a planet that's, that's, that's harsh and it's, it's dark and, uh, I just, I like the thought that's going into this. And so I'm getting little bits and pieces of this as I watch these trailers, loved it.
0: Yep. So, Simon, any thoughts on the Japanese one?
1: I saw this on my lunch break at work. I was like, oh crap, that's out. That's awesome. I knew we were gonna get one, but I didn't know one. Giddy Prime looks like what I imagined. You're right. It doesn't have to be super goth over the top. It just, once again, it feels like, yes, this is a world that lives in organically this is what it should look like and the scale those ships and everything i like that we're getting more of the dream sequence maybe what we think of the golden suit you know and i think johnny you you nailed something when we did our trailer breakdown more and more and more and more the more i see those clips oh line yeah up now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah that was, that was yeah um yeah. Commenting on it myself, um, Garen, yeah, you're right. I did point out like the scale. Cause that was something I feel, you know, we still got a taste of it in the full trailer that has been released to people. Um, and it was such a hit like online last month, but like, again, you really can't understand it until like, you know, not to be an elitist here, but if you're sitting in the theater and like it's on a huge screen like, I mean, my, like that, that preview we saw was just like unbelievable. And I, I, I told people and had been telling people to this point, you still don't get it. Like you have not really seen it yet. And I think so far that shot is probably the best indicator and like the best example. And that's exactly what I tweeted and people were just losing their minds over it. So I thought that was a lot of fun. Cause that's like just a taste, <laughs> um, of what we're talking about. And I love the space, you know, the space shots. I'm always a sucker for those. I love, you know, movies like Interstellar in 2001 and just what you can do with like the scale. The effects look unreal. Um, there's the shot, Getty Prime, as we've been talking about, like from orbit uh, with all the Harkonnen ships just kind of floating. And it looks, you know, I mean, it looks lifeless. I mean, it looks just, you know, miserable. And like, there's not a green or blue speck in sight. Um, and I'm I'm very excited to see, you know some some aerial shots like of the planet and like the landscapes because i think that's going to be something pretty special um you know because what we've seen so far of other places like whether it's caladan or, or arrakis or um you know just the art and and the footage that they've been able to pull off like i cannot wait to see the, what they do with that planet um and Yeah. uh, We're going to be talking about the Norwegian stuff here in a second. But yeah, I was super happy with it. And I think it's gotten people just even more buzz. And I had many people responding to that tweet. And so I'm glad more and more people are kind of catching on. And I think it's really cool too that, I mean, this was a Japanese, it was tweeted by the Japanese Twitter account. Like we're getting like legit stuff straight from WB, but just in other markets, which I think is great because you're hitting those other markets. And the fact that you know, so many people in the U.S. are seeing it and, and enjoying it, I think, is also saying um, something as well, because I don't remember really in a lot of other countries when they release specific things that they really migrate over and they are showing new stuff as well, which I think makes a big difference, too. Oh, Johnny,
3: I, I think another reason and when you highlighted that that image of the Guild Highliner, it, it struck me that I remember, uh, and I, don't, I don't know if it was this uh, Total Film article or if it was another article where and he actually said the design of all these ships was made to be so enormous that it, oh, yeah. it makes the, the, the people and the viewer feel small, right? So that they are, mm-hmm. they, they're filled with this sense of awe and, and maybe even, you know, some sense of foreboding or something. But yeah, yeah. that's why he wants us to see this on an <laughs> IMAX screen. It, it's not, like I've said before, it's not a marketing ploy. It's that he designed it to be so big that we're, right. we're, we're sitting there in our seat and we're feeling like the ship is a mile high in, in front of us. And that's the kind of experience he's trying to create. So, um, yeah, it's it's I, I guess, Simon, it's fun that you can go home after you've seen it on the IMAX screen and watch it on HBO Max. But I think he doesn't want it to be the reverse. I think he doesn't want us to see it first on a even a 60-inch screen because you're not <laughs> going to feel that feeling he's trying to instill in us. So, anyway, I, I think that's his purpose in designing those ships that way
2: yeah no it's it's really well done and to garen's point last thing the exact quote because that was it was actually in the italian article that had been translated um but it said i wanted spaceships that looked like monoliths and were giant i like the idea that architecture and transportation can make humans look like humble ants i can just hear him saying it in his accent um so the machines in in dune were built with this monumental feeling of loneliness and oppression toward their users which again that's something he has done in other movies as well. I mean, going back even to Enemy, which is a Canadian art house film. I mean, he used the the uh, tra- train car lines in that movie to make you feel oppressed and like you were caught in a spider's web in the the apartment buildings, which are, you know, standard Toronto-like apartment buildings. But, uh, you know, he made them feel enormous. And I think that's just so impressive how he has maintained that, um, whether it was the scale of the ships and Arrival or... The buildings and the landscapes in 2049. I think that, I mean, Dune, I don't think there's that many properties that I can think of fantasy and science fiction where you, I mean, this this scale is, is unbelievable. And like that is, I mean, there's nothing quite like it because it's so far in the future. They can do things, you know, with engineering and technologically that you could never even imagine. So I think, and that's something I tweeted about Dune Messiah as well. And people were really keying in on, they were like, I really want to see this. Like, I want to see Dune Messiah. Like, I can't believe what you're describing right now in, like, some of Mark Simonetti's art. Um, I think, yeah, that's something that I think people are very interested in. I think it's something that is pushing them toward the big screen as well, as you pointed out. Yeah, and then let's touch on those uh, Norwegian uh, promo
0: trailers. So there was, uh, yeah, a bunch of them, and, like, they were mostly between, like, 15 and 30 seconds long. Uh, But I think the biggest reveal uh, coming out of that was that we actually got... Like that still image uh, showing the the Fremen warriors, uh, which was what appeared to be on the surface of Caladan, and and that ties back to that shot in the in the trailer that we had we had talked in the, in the previous weeks. That you see, you know, uh, Paul and Shani in the ship above, and then down you saw like the um, uh, those people with with Atreides flags. And here it looks like we're getting a uh, uh, zoom zoom zooming in on those uh, those Fremen warriors. So uh, Simon, let, let me hear your thoughts on that.
1: My first reaction was like, damn it, Johnny, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What is is that scene? That's the question. What is that scene and when is that scene? It's probably at this point, I'm pretty sure it's a dream. (laughs) I'm thinking Paul has a vision. I'm sure he's going to have several visions during the film. And it could be when he first gets to Arrakis, maybe, or once he first... Maybe at the end of the movie, he has a dream after he meets certain people. You know, I'm excited. I want to know what that scene is. Like, out of all the scenes that you know that are not in the novel, you're like, oh, how does that link up? Where is that? And it looks gorgeous. You know, Mm. it is Lord of the Rings in space. It is everything that I wanted from this movie and I'm trying to find a super high res photo so I can make that like my cover <laughs> photo on Facebook and everywhere else and just write long live the fighters. <laughs> but once again, Denis, low details. And if you look, there's blood, there's crest knives, there's, there's everything that you would imagine. Mm. And the production, I really hope this gets nominated for like best costume designs, Best set designs. It's going to be something. Like we said, don't want to sound elitist, like you said, Johnny, but <laughs> seeing what we saw on the big screen makes a total difference. I don't think people are ready for what they're going to experience. And we only saw 20 minutes, 15 minutes <laughs> of it.
0: Yeah, and we know that in the Spice however, sort of scene that we saw, you know, like Paul is having his first uh, strong reactions to the, to the Spice so i'm i'm wondering this could potentially be like when he's in the in a tent with um with jessica like late, later on in film and he's eating a lot of spice and he's getting that that uh, um like opening up to all these different uh, futures that this may potentially be be one of them like like we also saw with with them fighting the car wars because clearly that, that's not going to be covered in terms of uh, actual events in this movie but it's definitely something that he would be uh, be looking ahead so, so, it's interesting. Like uh, what you said, it's, it may not necessarily be described in the book, but in the book, it talks about all these different possible futures, and this is clearly one of those uh, those scenarios. G- Garen, what, what did you think about that uh, that striking image?
3: Yeah, uh, I was with Simon on this
0: one. I I immediately thought this is this is
3: Paul having prescient experiences because Denise got to show that right. You've got to tell the story of the fact that. He he gets these futuristic visions and, and it's a conflict for him, right? So um, does he does he want to see this? What is he seeing? He's trying to figure out what he's seeing in his visions. And and if maybe perhaps this is an image of the future, you know, uh, universal jihad, which which is going all over, you know, the the various planets of the of that universe, the Imperium. So that that was the first thought that I had is this is maybe not in the in the actual narrative this is this is some prescient dreams, but it's obviously very warlike with um, with advanced you know weaponry or or armor and and that would make sense that this is something he's seeing in the future that's going to happen and does he want it to happen I wonder if that's going to play into the story.
2: Yeah, well, definitely to Simon's point, I had to pat myself on the back (laughs) because (laughs) it was so funny because when we saw that in the theaters like in in the trailer would come out i'd watched it like 50 times and then we did the podcast review and really shot by shot broke it down it was only when we went through it that way where i was like that looks exactly the same as that other shot because they were separated in the trailer and a lot of times they do that of course to confuse you and make it seem like it's out of context when in fact No, that's exactly what it is. And you, and I remember looking at the shots and zooming in and you could, I was like, you know, you can see people down there like kneeling and like with their arms up and flags. I'm like, you know, what is that all about? Like this, the color was similar. And then, yeah. So when this popped up in, in this uh, little clip, I mean, I, I lost it. Like, I was like, what? Like, it's just so cool because Denis, as a fan, as someone who's read the entire series, has interest in making Dune Messiah he's thinking in the long game and, you know, someone like a Peter Berg or a David Lynch or something like that, who might've tried to make this movie or did make it, you know, the the FedEx, seeing them in this, in this context, like that's alluding to something that is not necessarily would ever be shown in a Dune movie. Um, And I think that's just a really powerful image. And I just know all the fans of, you know, the book and the series that have seen this so far have been like, losing it and are really excited um whether you know this is this is of course a vision like i think you can pretty much say that without a shadow of a doubt because if nothing else paul's eyes are blue so this is you know years into the future potentially And we know this movie's not going to last years um and they are on caladan i know there's been some book readers kind of like what, what's that all about and i'm not gonna, you know i'm not going to go to de- into detail but they're like well that kind of conflicts with this in the book and i'm like Well, first off, it's a vision. And secondly, they could change it for the movie for whatever reason, if they want to. And thirdly, maybe this vision and what he is seeing here is what causes them to make these decisions later about Caladan and who they want there and who they don't want there. Um, So I think that that's really interesting. And it just, it looks awesome. I mean, the the costumes I think are really great. Um, And I, I think maybe, you know, we have no idea, this is pure speculation, but because there's that vision that we have seen already of them fighting on the plains of Arakina and the the worms and, and them in the same exact costumes. I wonder if that's in some sort of like this, if it's in the same montage, like the same dream vision sequence potentially kind of just showing what's going to happen or what, what could potentially happen. Um, and then of course, as soon as I saw it, I had to go grab that quote where he's, I think they're in the tent and he's talking about what he sees this vision of you know this jihad, you know across the universe, and and the banner, and I mean it's it's to a T from the book, like it's to a T, and I think that that was really exciting as well.
0: Okay, then uh, going to our fourth and last uh, story for today is the the character teasers that have been uh, been coming out. So uh, IGN has been releasing those exclusive articles. Yeah, so so l- last week we got uh, the the Fremen, which uh, we we got to see uh, Chani, uh, Stilgar, and uh, Liad Kynes. Uh, and then today we got the the last part of that um path to dune character teasers uh which was the the Harkonnen so of course we we got to see uh the Baron himself uh we got to see the Beast Raban, and we finally got to see more of uh of Piter to, uh, the Vries, the the Harkonnen uh uh mentat so um let, let's start with you uh Simon o- overall reactions to to these uh these character teasers of the Fremen and the Harkonnen
1: um, Harkonnen ones uh, the only one I was really interested was Piter because we haven't really seen him and the Baron and Beasts I feel were kind of like the best of little scenes that we've seen already prior um, the Fremen ones I think like everyone else the Leon kind one was the one of was like huh, interesting <laughs> and I love the last shot of Paul going, who are you to the Fremen kind of like <laughs> more teasers, and hopefully that gets people interested. Yep. Overall, great stuff. I wonder why GN's gonna do next week, because yep. they're supposedly doing stuff until the movie hits in the theaters. Yeah, yeah, they mentioned
0: either weekly or, or bi but I'm sure that they'll have more, more materials uh, coming up. Maybe not videos, but other uh, interviews, perhaps. Uh, Johnny, what did you think of these, uh, these last two waves of uh, teasers?
2: I'm really liking them. Uh, I'm just excited that they're getting them out there and they're on a big platform like IGN. Uh, I think that's that's definitely a plus. And not only are, we, are they just dropping, you know, it's not like they're just dropping the videos, but they do have these like full blown articles, kind of getting into the the nitty gritty of the universe and these factions and these characters. Um, yeah, P- Piter, of course, was like the main attraction just because we have seen so little of him, and I think he's not going to be in the movie all that much. Um, but we do know he's going to be in at least now we can say at least three scenes which is good i would say um so that's exciting and uh david S. Melchin, he's awesome loved him in the suicide squad have loved him in all of denise movies and uh the makeup super impressive donald Moit uh and and his his crew have just crushed it with the the harkonnen i think they look awesome and uh you know it's some of the music in these two, I think, you know, assuming it is Zimmer score and it definitely sounds like it is, is pretty, pretty uh, interesting and unique too. And I'm excited to see how that's implemented. Um, but overall, and I, I will say, I know I did read it. It is going to be every other week now. So next week we shouldn't be getting anything from IGN and then the next Thursday we will, and then they'll take off and then we'll do another one. And who knows what that'll be, could just be interviews. It could be, I'm thinking maybe they might start doing like full clips, you know, something like that, you know, 30, 30 uh, seconds, two minute, or something, but uh, yeah, exciting stuff.
3: I think this is an interesting marketing uh, strategy to distinguish because to all of us fans, we know and love these characters, right? So to have them highlighted in these little teasers um, only only gets me more excited about seeing how that character that I already know and love is gonna be depicted on the screen. But it's also an interesting way for those who aren't as familiar with the books or aren't as familiar with this world. It's very clearly delineating. You know, here are the good guys. Here are the bad guys. Here are the people you want to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I think because you've got so many characters in this in this narrative and then in this book, it requires some mental work to keep everything straight. And and the design is brilliant. Because you're going to clearly know when you're dealing with the Harkonnens and when you're dealing with the Atreides, it's going to be crystal clear. You're not going to doubt (laughs) that. But I think it's interesting that they're they're kind of leading us to learn and clearly understand the differences between these characters. Because they're not just going for the fan base, which are those of us right here. They're going for the world, the, 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 the total addressable market here. And I think this is a really wise strategy to introduce people to these different characters in a really fun way.
2: Yeah, and real quick to that, another another thing that we know is that these are going to be posted again tomorrow straight from the the social media accounts for Dune, so they kind of get to double dip, which is nice for as far as like exposure. And one of the things that stood out to me,
0: like uh, staying on the on the Piter clip, like at the beginning, you you have the the dialogue, uh, the Duke's son, and he sees too much, and like I'm wondering if. If they edited that from two different scenes because it does feel like slightly different uh, different tone of voice so I'm, I'm wondering if there's you know again a bit of like teaser trickery go, uh, going
2: on there that it's not necessarily within that context but yeah it's uh... yeah uh, just real quick that made me think of another line which we hear and I want to say it's from the Baron where he says the Atreides will like die in darkness or they'll die yeah. in the dark or something to that effect and I'm thinking that you know, book spoiler here, but it kind of alludes to the, uh, you know, killing the power, mm-hmm. uh, in er- I feel like that's probably a reference to the plot. Yeah.
0: And, and, uh, and also touching on what, what you mentioned as well in the, in the Liet Kain's clip, that was also another interesting one because we haven't seen all that, um, um, that, that much of, of the character, uh, in, in the other footage. Um, but yeah, like, I think that, that hints to some, some important, uh, Points like we know that uh, Paul is, is very alert in that scene. Like he 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 knows that there's something more more to her than like the others are are noticing, and <laughs> but, but I just I just love her reaction just that like nonchalant smile and walk away. You know. <laughs> uh. So but uh, yeah I think uh, overall like uh, great to have seen seen this wave I think it's um, they're they're definitely like uh, pu- pulling out all all the stops and uh, I think for for both for people who are have been fans of, of Dune for, for a long time and people who are just coming in there's uh, plenty to in, enjoy here I guess the the fi- final thought for, for people who are who are following along uh, closely <coughs> here, do, you, do you think that they've they've reached the point where they're showing too much like I'll just uh, anybody who wants to answer
2: I don't Um, think so. (laughs) (laughs) I can say, I was going to say just that, but yeah, I I don't think so. And well, not just I don't think so. I can say for a fact they're not showing too much. I'll leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Tipping their toes in some glorious pumpkin
1: spice latte. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, we're not going to care, you guys, when
3: we're watching this on the IMAX screen, what we've seen before. (laughs) We're gonna be nah. totally knee deep in it. We're we're so I I agree with Johnny. I I think uh obviously you can show too much, but there they haven't. And nah. I think we've got to bring in the people that are on the fence. It's those people that I remember back in the day who who went to see the 84 movie. And I know this is a totally different experience, right? But they were just like, <laughs> I was so confused. I didn't understand what was happening. I, I, I think we've got to show enough that people hmm. who maybe might be, you know, MCU diehards and, and Star Wars diehards, they've got to see that this is very different. It's a completely different type of a, a science fiction experience. So showing them this, showing them the images, showing them the characters, I think is a way to help them make that transition because that's what they've got to do.
2: Yeah. And real quick, last thing as well. We know the IGN content, for example, now it's going to be every other week and we don't really know what it's going to be, but they are going to be kind of pulling back. And I think part of why that is, and just another factor going forward is the, the movies of, of the premiere is a week away now. <laughs> and not only is that really exciting, but I think they're they're what they're thinking is and what their plan is, I think to some degree, of course, the marketing is still going to be a big factor. And, and this is going to be influenced by that, but the movie is going to speak for itself. Like very soon and people are going to see it critics are already seeing it in the united states they're seeing it for festival screeners and they're going to be writing reviews and publishing those next week the fans that are going to be in attendance which we know for a fact that there are going to be some who you know are living in italy or in in europe and, and got tickets and passes they're going to see it they're going to be talking about it writing reviews and then it's going to go to tiff and then it's going to go to new york and that's going to be all through september and once those reviews are hitting once the fans are talking about it people are tweeting about it facebook whatever it like there's you're not it's going to market itself and i yeah. think i mean literally you're going to be able to pull you know five out of five stars four out of four stars the pull quotes the things that you see in the you yeah. know the tv spots and on posters and on the online advertisements like that's really what they're going to start leaning into and you're not going to have to show too much more or much new stuff at least to highlight why you need to see the movie yeah, yeah, can't, can't, can't wait to see all of that.
0: So, we're going to wrap up uh, this week's uh, show. So, that was uh, yeah, definitely an, uh, exciting to cover all that was going on this week. So, let's uh, start with you, Johnny. Where, where can you be found?
2: I mean, mainly on Twitter. That's where I, I spend my days. Um, you know, my first and last name, Johnny Sobchak, also on Letterboxd, first and last name if you want to find me there. Discord, the Dune Reddit, I'm around. Garen, where can you be found?
3: Uh, on Twitter, at uh, Dune Companion, and then my website, I've got more articles and other, other things there, uh, and that's dunecompanion.com.
1: Yeah, and Simon, where, where can we contact you? Twitter and uh, Instagram, as Daldy, so first initial and my last name. Yeah.
0: And this was uh, Marcus Gabriel, and you can find me on dunenewsnet.com, as well as dunenewsnet on Twitter and Instagram. So uh, thank you all for joining us for this exciting episode. And we're going to have like a lot more movie news coming up next week, as well as reactions to the Venice Film Festival. Looking forward to talking to you all again on next week's Dune Talk.
2: We hope you've enjoyed Dune Talk. Remember to like, subscribe,
3: and
0: turn on notifications so you know when the next episode drops. Stay tuned to DuneNewsNet.com and add us to your social feeds. Be the first to hear breaking news and reviews.